0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so honored to be in your home for this online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony, and hey, we love you. We are cheering you on every step of this journey. We can't wait to see you back in person. But in the meantime, we're just really delighted to be together today. And so if you have your smartphone, you can go to your YouVersion Bible app Go to the menu, hit live events, and all of today's scripture and notes will be right there for you if you'll type in North Park Church. Or you can turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 11 as we dive in God's word as we continue the series, Do You Believe in Miracles? So last week, we continued in our series, Do You Believe in Miracles, by sharing with you about an encounter that a family had with Jesus. And today, as we dive into John chapter 11, I'm going to introduce you to a family who felt like it was too late. Jesus showed up. He just didn't show up on time. So we're just going to break these verses down today and we're going to dig through it and we're going to figure out what are the messages behind the miracle. God knows what I'm going through. Jesus didn't seem caught off guard by this situation. God knows what I'm going through. You might not like this next part. I don't like this next part, but here it is. God doesn't act according to my schedule. I don't like that part. Like when I pray, I want Jesus to like immediately respond. Now, here's the next message. God is not intimidated by my difficult circumstance. I don't know that it's more difficult than Lazarus is now dead. He's not just sick. Now he's died. I don't know that there's anything that's more difficult to deal with than death, right? What did Martha do? She acknowledged the truth. Like Lazarus was dead, right? If Jesus had been here, he would have lived. She wasn't going to bring back Lazarus with this positive confession, right? He was dead. But here's the second part. She recognized the potential for a miracle. And so Jesus walks up to the tomb of Lazarus. He holds his head up with confidence, power, and authority. And he declares... So when Jesus arrives to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home, he was told that Lazarus had been dead, not one, not two, not three, four days. And we pick up at verse 23. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And she said, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Here's the first message behind the miracle. God offers me hope for eternity. Jesus says your brother will rise again. In this case, Jesus means, watch this. Your situation is about to change. Like I'm fixing to blow your mind. I'm fixing to change your circumstance. The miracle is coming, right? But Jesus also offers eternal hope, not just for Martha, but for everyone listening and reading this today, even over 2,000 years later, right? Whoever lives, whoever believes in me will never die. That's our promise. If you believe in Jesus, you have a personal relationship with him, even when this life is over. It is not over. Why? Because we're going to rejoice around the throne of God for all eternity. So Jesus is telling Martha, hey, I'm about to change your your current situation, but I'm also reassuring you of the hope that you have in me, right, for eternal life. So it's a beautiful verse. Verse 27 continues, yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to Him. What's the second message behind the miracle? When you need a miracle, you run to Jesus. That's exactly what Mary did. When she realized that Jesus was there, she didn't delay, she didn't wait, but she runs to Jesus, she runs to His direction. She leaves the place where she's supposed to be, right? She's mourning. She's in her place of grief, but she physically gets up from that place and she runs to Jesus. Here's my encouragement to you. When you're in the darkest moments of your life, don't go into voidance mode. There's so many of us that when we're going through something difficult, we want to retreat and we want to pull away and isolate ourselves But Mary gives us a great um, example. Like when we're facing the darkest moments of our life, don't pull away from Jesus, but you run to him. Don't pull away from the church, you run to him. Instead of pulling away from your small group in those moments, you run to them. Do the opposite, like run to Jesus. Don't isolate yourself. Even if it feels like it's too late, like run to him. I can't tell you as a pastor how frustrating it is at times to watch people go through some very dark moments of their life and in those moments they want to retreat. It's almost like we want to deal with those things on our own. We don't want to be vulnerable enough to share with those people who love us and care about us and want to walk this journey with us what we're really facing and so we isolate ourselves. And so I would really encourage you if you're going through some stuff, Open up about that. Open up to, to a pastor, to, to a counselor, to a friend, to, to your life group. Uh, we say all the time that life change happens in the context of those meaningful relationships. And nine times out of ten, it's in those dark moments of our life where those relationships are deepened, they're developed, and they're locked in. And so I'd really encourage you, even if your temptation is to pull away in those moments of, of pain, instead, do the opposite and really press in. If you need a miracle, run to Jesus. Now, verse 32 says this. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at His feet. And said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. And in verse 34, he says, where have you put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see." And then Jesus wept. That's a powerful phrase. Jesus wept. It's actually the shortest verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. And Jesus wept. He cried. He felt pain and sorrow of losing a friend just like you do. He felt the sting of grief, loss, death even experienced anger. Some of you are really grieving right now and you know what those emotions feel like. You feel angry. You feel deep sadness. You're hurting. You're in pain today because you know what it's like to lose someone or something. Maybe it's the death of a relationship in your life. And so you're grieving right now. And it's everything you can do to pick up every day and just keep going. But here's the message and here's the encouragement that I offer you today. God knows what I am going through. And he knows what you're going through. We all have our stuff. We all have our pain. We all have, especially in this season, something that's causing us anxiety and stress or tension. You can put whatever label you want on it. And what's causing me grief and what's causing you grief may be totally different things, but the outcome is still the same, right? We feel this this frustration, we feel this anger, we feel this sadness, we feel this heaviness uh, because of our circumstances. So however you want to describe it, whatever label you want to put on it, God knows what it is that you're facing and what you're going through. Jesus wept at the loss of Lazarus. He grieved over a situation that was too far gone. Jesus not only knows what you're going through, He knows how it makes you feel. He knows what you're feeling because He's been there. Verse 36 says this, The people who were standing nearby said, See how much He loved him? But then some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't He have kept Lazarus from dying? See, some of the people were touched by his compassion. But one of the saddest parts is this. Desperate situations attract critics. Desperate situations attract critics. When you're in a difficult spot, you will attract two different types of people. Some will cry with you. But unfortunately, there's going to be some people who will criticize you. See, the critics say something like this. Well, if you had more faith, you wouldn't be in the situation. The critics will say, if you really loved God, he would have helped you out of the situation. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be in the shape. The critics will say, I thought you were a really good Christian. What happened? But see, here's the thing about critics. When your situation drastically changes, radically changes, when the miracle happens in your life, the critics will be hard to find. They're not going to come back to you and say, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I really misjudged that situation. I had that one wrong. I missed that one. You were right after all. Nope, they're just going to wait for the next opportunity to criticize because that's what critics do. They even criticize Jesus. Verse 38 says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, still dealing with the emotions of grief and sorrow and loss and, and a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. So again, as I often say, see it in the high depth theater of your mind. Jesus shows up to the tomb. And there is a stone that's been rolled to block the entrance. And on the other side of this stone is his friend, Lazarus, who has died. And Jesus said, roll the stone aside roll the stone away. That thing that's standing between me and the miracle, get it out of the way. Here's the fifth thing. We have to remove the obstacles. If you want to see the miracle in your life, the things that are standing between you and the miracle, Jesus says you got to roll those things aside. You got to remove the obstacle. What obstacle is standing the way of your miracle? We put obstacles in the way of God all the time. What might God say to us today? When he's looking at our situation and we're praying and we're pleading God, asking for a miracle, what would his response be to us today? Would he say, hey, you need to fix your attitude. You got to get that obstacle out of the way. I want to restore the relationship, but your thinking is not correct. Maybe he would say, go to church. You've been blaming the church for all your problems. You've got to get over that. I've got an answer for you. I've got people I want to surround you with, but you've got an obstacle in your way. Maybe God would say, quit gossiping. Quit spreading the negativity. Quit spreading the trash to other people. Resolve the conflict in a biblical way. You've been praying for a restoration in a relationship, but you've been handling it wrong this entire time. And so for you to see the miracle in your life, maybe God's saying, hey, you got to get that obstacle out of the way. We know this is an obstacle to answered prayer. In Matthew 18, Jesus actually tells us that that our unresolved conflict, if we don't deal with conflict in a biblical way, right time, right place, right spirit with the right person, right? Jesus even says that that's going to result in our prayers not being answered. Like that's a hindrance to our prayer. That's an obstacle. And so if you want this relationship restored, we've got to get that obstacle out of the way. For some of us, we want a financial miracle in our life, but our disobedience to God in the area of stewardship is the obstacle to our miracle. Get that obstacle out of the way. For some of us, our situation looks hopeless. Well, it is hopeless without Jesus. And so if you're trying to do this without a personal relationship with him, we're going to fall flat on our face every single time. You've still not committed your life to him. You've not said yes to him. So let's get that obstacle out of the way. Remove that, accept Christ. Like say yes to him, invite him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. But the obstacle that's standing in your way is you're not coming to him. Like you're not accepting him. You're not inviting him to be your Lord and Savior. And so obviously that's a huge obstacle in your life. Let's get that obstacle of unbelief out of your way. Some of us have an obstacle to remove. It's the stone that's in front of our tomb, right? Decide. Nothing's going to stand in the way of the miracle that we want to see happen in our life. Now, verse 39. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Think about that. Jesus says, roll the stone aside. And Martha, who has incredible faith, who said, hey, there's always a potential for a miracle. I know even though he's dead, there's still something that you can do in this situation. Jesus says, okay, then move the stone out of the way. I don't know about that, God. Jesus, I don't really know that's the way we should handle this situation right now. How many times has God given you instruction and instead of you responding with immediate obedience, I don't really know about that, Lord. I mean, the Holy Spirit says, you go pick up the phone and call that person. Make that situation right. I don't really know if that's the way we should handle this situation. Jesus says, hey, you be be faithful with your tithes and your offering. Like, be a good steward of what I've placed in your hands. I don't really know, Jesus. I don't know if I can do that right now. How many times has God given you specific instructions? But instead of seeing the miracle, what do you do? Make excuses. And that's exactly what Martha was doing. She wasn't sure about the obedience because of the stench. Even the one with all the faith, she wasn't sure because she still had excuses. Here's the sixth thing. You've got to give up your excuses. If you want to see a miracle, you've got to give up the excuses that's keeping you from being obedient to Jesus. Your excuses do not move the heart of God. Your excuses do not lead you to see the miraculous that you need to see in your life. Give up the excuses. What are some of our excuses? I can't afford to obey God with my finances. It's just my personality. I wasn't raised that way. You don't understand. I've been hurt. I can't do what you're asking me to do. I'm in pain here. Maybe you would say, this isn't fair. Maybe some of you would say, you know what? People just don't understand me. I'm misunderstood. It's an excuse that keeps us from being obedient. Maybe you would say, this is just my burden to bear. It's too difficult for me to change. Maybe you would even say, I'm too embarrassed to come forward and share what I'm going through to even ask someone for a prayer. I like, give it up. I like, give up the excuses that are keeping us from taking the next step forward. Like we often talk about, like we all have our next step. And so let's pray, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about through this message today? Like, what is my next step? Give me courage to take it. And whatever excuse that pops up in your heart, in your life, in your mind, as to why you don't want to take that next step, that's your excuse. I mean, honestly, like when you're praying, Holy Spirit, like show me, give me my next step here. Whatever the excuse is that keeps you from taking that step, that excuse is keeping you from the miracle. Right? So we got to get rid of the excuse. Look at what Jesus said to Martha. Verse 40, Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed?" And so they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all of these people standing here so they will believe that you sent me. I love verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. What's the message behind the miracle? One word from Jesus will change your reality. Hey, PA, you said three words. You're right, I did. But I believe reality changed with the first word. All Jesus had to say was Lazarus. When Jesus uttered the word Lazarus, I believe life came back into his body. Do I believe in miracles, you better believe I do. And I believe with one word, Jesus can change your situation and mine. Verse 44 says, And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I mean, just imagine Lazarus coming out of that grave, like wrapped in these grave clothes. Jesus had to say, You got to unwrap him, you got to let him free. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I really wish that scripture would give us more details here. We don't have a lot of details after this experience. I mean, we see the guy walked out of the grave, and I don't think that the crowd just stood there and did a little golf clap. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine the response of Mary and Martha? The music, In their head, the movie that we see could not do justice to that moment. It had to be absolute bedlam, right? These people just rejoicing and going wild. And here's Lazarus, can't get out of his grave clothes. They're so excited. Jesus has to say, hey, let him free here. Man, what a beautiful celebration. The miraculous happened, and I love the next verse. Many of the people who were there with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. What was the response of the people? When they saw the miracle, they believed this man really is the Messiah. And here's the final message behind the miracle. It's not over until Jesus says it is. It is not over until Jesus says it's over. I love this thought. Jesus went to a funeral and He turned it into a celebration. See, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life, when we invite God to be in the middle of our situation, man, He may show up to a funeral, but turn it into a celebration. All the mourners were together to weep and to wail, but Jesus had something else in mind. And in your life, maybe everyone's gathered around you to tell you that it's over. The mourners had gathered around you to talk to you about your ministry tomb or your financial tomb or your marital tomb, your business tomb. But Jesus walks in, in the middle of your situation and says, hold on a minute. I've got something else in mind. It's not over until God says it's over. You just have to trust Him. And we believe that as He speaks life into your situation, you're going to experience a resurrection too. Let's pray. Father, thank You for life after pain. God, for life in the middle of pain. Lord, even though the mourners may be gathered around us to remind us that it's over, Lord, I believe that you have something else in mind. God, help us to see the bigger picture. God, help us to see that your glory can be revealed in the middle of our most difficult situations. God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust your plan and help us to trust your timing. God, help us to realize that one word can change our situation. God, give us the strength to turn away from our excuses and Lord, to remove our obstacles, Lord, and trust that you know what we're facing and what we're going through. And give us strength in this moment to run to you to recognize that you offer us hope in this life and eternity. Lord, you love us. And I am so thankful that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you are present in the middle of our darkest moment. And I pray for that person that needs to remove that obstacle of unbelief Lord, I pray that they would just feel the presence of your Holy Spirit even now as they listen to this or watch this. Lord, I pray that right where they are in the privacy of their devotion that they would just simply declare, Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me from sin. Set me free. Give me strength to live my life for you. And I pray that as we seek you for our next step, Lord, that we would respond with complete obedience that we might see your glory displayed in our life. And just like the friends and family and neighbors who were gathered around and saw this miracle and believed in you, that the people in our life would see your glory at work and they would believe in you too. God, may we point people to you, to your glory, that your name would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. thanks so much for joining us today we would love to connect with you especially if today is your first online experience in fact if you'd go to northparkrdu.com you can click the digital connect card we would love to learn more about you and get you plugged in to all the great things that are happening at North Park Church. Also, if you'd like for us to pray with you about anything in your life, you can hit the prayer request button and we would love to pray some bold prayers over your life because we believe bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. And finally, we'd love to invite you to our next in-person gathering at Riverbend Middle School on Sunday, October the 18th. We'd love for you to be with us at 10 a.m we will have a safe socially distant outdoor worship experience and we want you and your family to be there with us if you're not quite ready to do that we will still be right here with you online but we would love to have you come join us as we corporately worship together we love you guys we are so thankful for you thank you for the way you continue to invest in building lifelong followers of Jesus. And today, if you would like to do that, why don't you go to NorthParkRDU.com and hit that online giving button. Again, thank you so much for your generosity. We love you guys and can't wait to see you very soon.